Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. All in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5K. That's 36 minutes and 38 seconds, give or take a mile. We often go long, so get ready. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey, everyone. I hope you're having a great day. I am back and better than ever. Got an awesome episode of Run This World coming at you. I don't know if I told you this on a previous episode, but I used to write my intros and outros because I felt like that would help me stay more focused. And then one day I was like, I don't freaking have time to write it. I'm just going to speak. And then I realized how liberating it is to just get on and have an idea of what I want to say and just talk. And that way, it, I'm not reading it. It's not robotic. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I do screw up and I say weird things sometimes, which I actually do in interviews as well, which you probably noticed and hopefully you forgive me for or find endearing or whatever because we're all awkward sometimes. Um, but I don't write my intros and outros anymore and I speak from the heart. And today I want to tell you that last week I updated you with my, uh, in my interview with Roderick that, you know, I'm going through some crazy stuff with my own business, Skirt Sports, this company that makes amazing women's athletic clothing, but is so much more. We're, we're an incredible community of women who support each other and we're all about finding happiness. And anyway, um, when you're in business for 15 years, you go through stuff and I'm kind of still knee deep in the middle of it. I don't have a big update for you. Um, but I promised that throughout this, I would not slow down. Well, I have slowed down a little, but I wouldn't back off on continuing to bring you inspiration through the podcast because I want to tell you something. It's actually a little bit selfish because this interview, the, this podcast actually brings me inspiration. So when I am finding these incredible people or they're coming, coming to me through recommendations or whatever, you're doing me a favor. I, you know, and I really want to just say thank you for that. And a big shout out this week to Rachel Jervis, who's actually a skirt ambassador, who introduced me to today's guests, Jenny Nedick and Brittany Charbonneau. Um, you're going to love them. So really quick, before we get to the actual interview, uh, many of you ask, like, how can I support you? What can we do? Well, I'll let you know right now. I don't have another interview lined up. Like, you guys have been uh, giving me awesome suggestions for a long time. Please continue to do that. I file many away. Sometimes they get lost. Um, and right now, send me some suggestions. Who do you want to hear from? What do you want to hear about? You know, it doesn't have to just be an athlete or somebody involved with sports. You know, I've interviewed people who are, are amazing experts or have great stories in all walks of life. So please send me interview uh, suggestions. You can do that on Facebook or Instagram, or you can go to my website, nicoledeboom.com, and send me a note through the contact form. It will reach me. I do not have a filtering person who is... <laughs> who's sending me only the good stuff. Everything comes to me. 
Um, if you want to support the podcast through Patreon, hey, I would so appreciate it. You go to patreon.com backslash, I think Nicole DeBoom, or it might be around this world. Just search it on Patreon. Um, most of my patron supporters are doing maybe five bucks a month because they believe that the message and the content that I put out there helps them, you know, have a better month. <laughs> and that's my goal. I want people to feel a little bit less alone in this world. So with today's interview... Um, I want to let you know that you will feel less alone, and I did too, because I had two people on at once. And this is rare. Like over time, I've had Kim and Jake of Kim and Jake's, and that was actually a fun episode. It was near the beginning of Run This World Time, <laughs> and they they walked in. We were just like talking into the computer because I didn't even have sound equipment yet or anything, and. And they were hilarious. I mean, I think they were on like kind of a slightly tense day. And I was like, what's going on? And they was, it was kind of awkward and funny. But that was a great interview. I've had, um, oh, I had Dr. James from Scoop and Christine Carey, who is working in marketing there at the time. They both came on together. We talked about poop and all kinds of fun stuff. Gosh, have I any, had any other doubles? I think I, oh, I have through, um, through Skype. My, one of my most recent. Um, you can check out the relationship couple. Uh, a couple episodes ago, uh, you'll hear, I mean, it's just incredible. So, but here's the thing, in live and in person, I don't think I've interviewed two people um, when they had to share a mic. And that was, I was a little like, oh gosh, what's going to happen with the sound? So you may hear some rustling and whatnot, but the way we set up, the way I set up the equipment, just want to give you a little visual. I've got this um, countertop like height table and we sit on stools and the mics, like I'm always hunched over because I'm just sort of used to that. I think it brings me back to when I was a kid sitting on the bleachers at swim, you know, swim meets or practice. And you're always just like these hunching swimmer kids. Anyway, I hunch. Um, I try to prop the mic up for other guests so they're a little more comfortable. So it sits on a puzzle box because you may not know this, but I'm a huge puzzler. It's one of my passions, I guess, strangely. And one of the only times when I can actually shut my brain off is when I'm puzzling. So that's kind of cool. So anyway, it was sitting on a big puzzle box, which was like a Disney villains 2000 piece puzzle box. And we just kind of pushed the puzzle back and forth. <laughs> so it was a really fun interview. Um, sometimes when you interview two people, it can be a little awkward because you're not quite sure how to include both in the conversation. But it was anything but awkward today, except for the little improv part that was slightly awesomely awkward. How cool. So you guys, you're going to love our guest, Brittany Charbonneau. She's uh, fresh off of an, a win at the Marine Corps Marathon during horrendous conditions and uh, gunning for the 2020 Marathon Olympic Trials. And Jenny Nedick, who is her coach and the founder of Mercuria Running, and they just and Brittany's now a coach with her. So they've just got this incredible philosophy on life and running, and they both come to where they are in life um, in different ways. And we share some of their stories and messages, and I'm just really, really proud to uh, 
to introduce them to you today. And before we get them on, I want to remind you, I'm also uh, hoping to bring some sponsors onto the show soon. And right now we're supported by Skirt Sports, the company I mentioned at the beginning. Get over and shop us. If you have never tried skirt sports or if you're a dude and you're like, well, I don't wear skirts, so you're just tuning out right now, tune back in um, and share it with all the women in your lives because we have incredible deals going on right now. Basically, everything on the website is 40% or more off. And it just depends on what the product is. And we basically started Black Friday really early. And part of it is because we had to with, with the other things going on with the company. And, and it's exciting because people who have barriers to getting into our products or even into fitness, um, we break a little bit of that barrier with our price breaks right now. So get over to skirtsports.com and shop the hell out of it. <laughs> All right, everybody, on that note, I am going to break here and bring on the lovely Brittany and Jenny. I'm super psyched that you came all the way from Denver and you're like palling up on the single mic here. We're going to have like a throw the mic session today on the oh, pod. I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's like every time you both lean in to talk at the same time because you don't know who's going to talking, it looks like it, it looks like you're about to kiss. I, I was thinking the same <laughs> thing when you had to stress I'm me trying out. not to breathe so you can't smell my coffee. Well, I have coffee breath too, yeah. Oh, <laughs> me too. I love it. Hey, let's just breathe a lot in here. Um, well, we've got three women on the show at once. People are, need to understand whose voice is whose. So I thought maybe we could start with each of you giving a little quick ditty about who you are and then people will be able to relate the voice to the person. So Brittany, let's start with you. Sure. I'm Brittany Charbonneau, and that is how you pronounce my last name. <laughs> so wait, why is that important? Has it been mispronounced? It's been a little bit mispronounced. My maiden name was Lee. So I went from Lee to Charbonneau, and it has been quite the conundrum in the racing world. People don't know how to pronounce it, how to write it on a bib. So um, yeah, so that's how you say it. Um, I am born and raised here in Denver, and I uh, run... I've been running for, gosh, 18 years, I think now, and now race elite. Uh, I do comedy and yeah, I just, just love running. I think that that's just what gets me up every day. Brittany just loves running. Done. New hashtag. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Jenny, you're up. Tell us a little bit about you. I'm Jenny Nettick and my last name is Kitten Backwards because it's not hard to say, but it's often hard to spell. So that's how you can remember it. And um, I have been a runner my entire life. I've been a runner since first grade. I remember racing boys in recess in first grade, and I beat them, and I thought, well, I must be pretty good, because at that time, you always heard that boys were supposed to be faster than girls, and it wasn't true. And so I've just stuck with it my entire life. I didn't run in college, but um, as it, but I've run since then, and um, I've had my business, Mercuria Running, for seven years, going on eight. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. So you're here together today because there's sort of this, um, I don't know, it's not an incestuous relationship per se, <laughs> but like, you know, it's a love match. You guys came together through running and Jenny, you coach Brittany and you now are a coach with Jenny. So like, I don't often do podcasts where I interview two people at once, but we found this to be a really cool opportunity because we could dissect all the different sides of this amazing sport that you found and, and want to share the love of. So thanks for both coming out. How cool. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. 
Um, okay, so I'm going to dig into like kind of just a big word because as I was thinking about both of you and watching in particular, even just watching the recent Marine Corps marathon and digging into your past a little bit, the word passion kept bubbling up to me because you both have made decisions in your life to follow your passion, even when they're hard decisions. So I want to just kind of start out by asking like, what does passion mean to you? Like, what do you think of when you think of following a passion? This is Brittany. Do I need to say that each time? Just kidding. Well, um, they'll figure it out eventually. Great. <laughs> um, for me, I just think the first thing that came to mind was what gets me out of bed in the morning and what gets me excited. I'm such a gut follower. I think there's so many times that I take a lot of risks looking back on my life that I'm like, oh, well, I cannot believe I did that. And it was just that gut feeling. Um, and so for me, it's just following that in the sense of passion. I follow what brings me joy and what I know in my gut is right, but also having to listen to this doesn't feel right. I need to I need to reevaluate this or I need to back away from the opposite of that because it's taking me away from my passion, whatever that might be. Okay, so this is big because if we're talking about, say, a profession, because there's many other places in life where, you know, you find and follow passion, but in your in your career choices over the years, like we know that you weren't always a runner and you weren't always an actress and a comedian and um, what were you doing before and at what point did you realize this is not my passion and I need to pursue something else? Yeah, so I was working for Otterbox, the cell phone case company up in Fort Collins who still sponsor me in running. I was working for them um, and loved the company, loved it, but it was just, I just remember going to work and thinking I, this is just not what I'm meant to do. It's not my purpose or I'm not fulfilling what I'm meant to do and I I don't know. I went from that and thinking that I have little time on the table. We all do with life, right? But I think as I was thinking about it and running, you know, what an opportunity to go for something. And I just, I wasn't doing it at the time. And so I just had jumped and was just like, I'm going to, I'm going to go do this. Um, that was shortly after I won the Colfax marathon in Denver. Um, that, that was kind of like a point where I was like there, that's a perfect time to go. Um, and just, chase that dream this is so cool okay so last night i went to a how i built this i was there uh, you were I was there, there. Were yeah, with the art? Art? oh yeah i was oh with all the others yeah. yeah so we were that, the crazy ones standing up cheering <laughs> it was so yeah. awesome yes. um so this is very fresh and top of mind how cool so you were at a company that actually had a pretty cool culture so it's not like you were just slaving away at like Xerox, like Xeroxing things no. all day. You were at a company with a cool culture, but still something didn't feel right about, I don't know, working in a more corporate or was it corporate? Um, not really. Like in a sense, it's a large company, but it's certainly the like culture is not corporate. But um, so what's funny is when Kurt last night talked about um, you get a life plan, I did my life plan and that was the kickoff of when I realized I need to go do something else this isn't it took a year after that to make the jump but that was the seed planted of like I know that I've got a bigger purpose and I know I need to be 
doing something else. And yeah, so it's so funny that he mentioned that and that people quit and that I was one of those stories. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Well, I think, you know, people listening are like, what the heck's a life plan? I don't understand. Like, what did Kurt at Otterbox offer all of you? How did that work? So a life plan is um, a one-on-one session with a life coach, which is a thing. Um, And they basically go through your what got you up to where you are now and where you want to go and how you're going to do it. And if in whatever job you're in right now, does it line up with what your purpose is and what you really want to do with your life? And um, so there were some things that, and you get that after a year of working at Otterbox, they give it to you for free. And it's like a two or three day long thing, uh, like in-depth session. And yeah, it's like, it's heavy. It's a lot, but it is, it can be transformative if you are open to it. And for me, it totally was. Oh my gosh. And so you mentioned purpose and I think passion and purpose, these are like two words that really intertwine. So, so you realize like, I've got, I've got something tugging at my heart, at my gut, at everything. I have to get out and pursue it. So you mentioned like you won the Colfax Marathon, which you did, which is amazing. And it was great. It was a good time. Sure. Like you didn't <laughs> w- make um, Olympic trials with, with your time, no. did you? But it was good enough to get, so I think you went 252? 252. Yep. Yep. Good enough to just say what if I committed more yeah and looking back at that that is honestly like if on paper that is not grounds for quitting your job that time not even (laughs) close well that's why I bring it up because like it's like everybody listening is like wait did you just belittle 252 because that's like totally it's fast in, in an insane race right like I never even came close to running that fast so like that's truly incredible but to your last point Definitely, like, do you give up your job to pursue a full-time career as an athlete? Yeah. <laughs> right. So so why did you then? Because I knew that I know what my work ethic is like, and I know what I – I knew I had something more. And I just thought, if I don't go for it now, if I don't try it, I'm going to regret it forever. You don't get these opportunities often. And at that time, I was getting ready to marry my husband. Um, speaking and of passion. Speaking of passion, yes. <laughs> Justin, I love you. Um, uh, so I had just, like, we were getting ready to get married, and he was really that big push of, please go for it. You're not happy. Go for it, and we'll make it work. And we've made it work. And looking back, you know, it's been two years, and I'm just so, so grateful that that came together and that I trusted him and I trusted myself to just try it because the worst thing that could happen was I go back to work that is a really good question to always ask yourself in these times like what's the worst thing that could happen right how bad could it be right right totally go back yeah or find something else similar if your job went away and it's just not (laughs) worth being in being in a job or something that you're unhappy in in my opinion like it's just so short that it's just go for it you know what I mean so um that was kind of where I got to with it okay cool so this was um four years ago two two years ago my gosh yeah I gotta get my numbers straight um wow what a cool rise since then and it's you know I've seen athletes and this might also be a good time to like throw it over to Jenny a little bit but I've seen athletes and myself included actually in high school who show promise in something and then quit every other sport to pursue that thing and then they never get any faster, Mm. you know? Um, So Jenny, you are 
you're both coaches, but Jenny, you're more, you, you are the head coach, let's say, and, and, uh, that's been your primary career for a while. So what do you think about that concept? Of just going for it? Yeah. Uh, like, like, is there a time, you know, do you hedge your bets? Do you, do you have one, like, some eggs in the basket or how do you, yeah, so how I do think, you approach it? I think it's interesting because I, so I have an art degree. I went to art school and I taught art for 10 years and education changed a ton in the time that I was teaching. Uh, and it just was no longer creative even as an art teacher because standardized tests became a thing even in art. And so I realized like, why am I doing this? Um, I was super passionate about when I started, I took in all these potential art teachers to show them how exciting the job was. And then by the end, I was like, what am I doing? Like I'm teaching for a test. And so my husband Guido can like encouraged me just to like quit. So I quit without a plan. Um, but Wait, I don't you have were, you were teaching, teaching. art yep. at the time. So you yep. graduated school. Yep. I joined Teach for America. So I've taught all over, um, all over the country. So I was on the Mexican border in Texas first, and then I was in Boston, and then we moved to Colorado for lifestyle. So I was teaching in Colorado, and then education just changed at that time. And so he encouraged me just to quit, and I didn't have a plan, um, which sounds a little scary, but I think when you talk about hedging a bet, like I also had lower risk because my husband had a good paying job, and I don't have kids, so I have low responsibility. And so it was a good time for me to take a risk as well. So that's, I always like, you kind of have to weigh, there's a, I'm trying to think what the book is. There's a book that talks about how you like weigh your risk. Um, and everybody usually has some sort of safety net. I like to say that I didn't have a safety net because I had to, or I thought that I didn't have a safety net because I was going to have to renew my teaching license. And I was like, well, if I do that, I think when it gets hard, I'm just going to go back to teaching. And so I didn't renew it. So when my boss called to ask if I wanted a job, I was like, actually, I can't. I'm no longer qualified to teach. So I had to make my something new survive um, and work there. So I think it's good to take calculated risks, um, do something that you're passionate about. But then also stay well-rounded. I think that's the other thing that I connected with Brittany was she's a runner, but she also still does comedy and she has other passions. And I think when I was talking to other coaches, they're like, you should try and convince her to just do running. And I think that's when people, it takes the fun out of it if it becomes your entire focus. And so I think having variety is really important. Like, yes, you're going to sacrifice something when you're going after a big dream, but having a little bit of perspective makes you a more interesting person and it gives a different meaning to what you're doing. Well, this is interesting because art is still a passion for you. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you were sitting around going, I hate this, but it was just more like it's time for a change. Mm -hmm. Um, So you still, you know, to your point of like staying more well-rounded, you still include it in your life, but you, you evolved. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. Like, I think neither of us would have ever thought like we would be in this position if you're like, you know, you're a little kid and you're dreaming about what your future was. I don't I didn't realize that running coach was a thing. And so it's really interesting to just I rarely have a plan, I guess, which is interesting because as a running coach, it's all about working backwards. And in my own life, I often just sort of put things out and see what like I don't know where it's going to end up. And that's part of the fun. And so you just kind of follow the things that catch your interest and follow your passion. And so the companies evolved that way. My The way that I run, the way that I make art, all of that has evolved over time. And I don't know where it's going to go, which is pretty exciting. You know, some may say that's exciting and some may say that's really scary. So I've always loved change. I think that's the interesting thing is that I often, I had a lot, I'd 
I moved a bunch and I taught at different schools and people would always be like, oh, I know what it feels like to be the new person as like it was a negative thing and scary. But I love that. I love learning new things. And so change, I actually really like change. I'm sure that many people listening just cringed when you said (laughs) I've always loved change. But then in their minds, they probably thought, how could I learn to love change? Like, do either of you, because Brittany's nodding like, I love change too. I can just see it. She's like, I want to talk about change. Um, Do either of you have thoughts or advice for people on how to shift that mindset of from change is scary to change is awesome? Well, I think it comes back to one of the things that I always, like when people are prepping for a race and they're nervous, nervous energy and excited energy is the same thing. And there's like science that backs that up. And it's really just about the way that you phrase it. Uh, like into yourself and so the same thing like in change right you could be really nervous or you could be really excited sort of like the butterflies of like the unexpected you can make that a negative thing or a positive thing and I like to think of it as a positive thing because I don't know what the possibilities are and just sort of letting it follow that path and figure out what's going to happen that's the most fun yeah yeah and I think that um leaning into the leaning into trusting what has happened in the past so I like to look back like hindsight's my favorite thing because it's so good to look back and be like this same nervous feeling that I'm feeling right now oh yeah I felt that three years ago when I did this and it worked out and it turned out better than I could have expected and this is that same feeling so I'm just going to trust it because I look back on all different times of my life that that same feeling has come up and when I've leaned into it and just like closed my eyes and just let myself jump then you know it's like okay that worked then and it all works out so I'm just gonna trust it now and it just keeps it fun I think yeah just thinking about it of getting out of your comfort zone is just a moment of growth and so just leaning into that oh and how like I get it but I my reaction was oh because I'm thinking of like a starting line and you know, you don't know what's going to happen at a race. And and that feeling that can be so paralyzing and the thought that comes into your mind is like, why am I doing this, right? Mm-hmm. Do you go through those moments and do you use the same philosophy to get yourself through those moments? Or do you just like, how do you embrace, truly embrace that moment when it's not just emotional, it's physical? I'm like, I... For me, I always think of that, I'm not a morning person and races start ridiculously early. And so just waking up for a race at some ridiculous hour, I'm like, why? I always come back to like, why am I doing this? Like at this moment, I could do this at any other point. And then you get there and you get all of the energy uh, and that energy is different than doing it on your own. And so I think I sort of pull from the energy of the crowd um, in that moment to help remind me why I'm doing the race. Because And then races, you're always able to do things bigger than you're able to do on your own because you're pulling that energy from the crowd. So I guess that's how what sort of gets me to that past that nervous spot. I think for me, the beginning of something is always my favorite part. And I'm a morning person. So um, for me, the hardest part whether it's a race or it's a new exciting venture that I'm doing, um, it's always that middle chunk. I always just think about it. It's like it's miles, you know, 18 to 23 in a race, and that's applied to anything. And I know that that's when I have to dig deep and like that's my hardest um, time that I have to focus on the change. And that's when change hits me hard. And that's my why am I doing this moment? And so I, for me, I've learned I need to anticipate it and I need to have tools in my tool belt of like, remember why you're doing this remember why you started this and come back to that and then as soon as you get past those you're like oh like I only have x amount more miles or 
whatever it is. So I think it's different for everybody that they, whether it's the beginning or the, some people probably like are jazzed to go the whole way and then they get towards the finish and um, change there scares them. I don't know. Um, But for me, it's anticipating that like two thirds chunk of the, of life or of the race or whatever it is. You know, let's actually talk about success and failure because I think this is like a big part of, you know, what puts people into this emotional state is like, I'm either going to succeed at miles 18 to 23, or I'm going to fail. You know, like, what is it about those, the the polarity of those two very different things that motivates you? Or how do you put yourself into the mode of, no, I am going to succeed. Failure's not an option. Well, I think, I mean, I also come back when I'm coaching adults that it's okay to fail. Like we learn a lot about our a lot about ourselves when we fail, and so if you put your if you never put yourself in a situation where you can fail, you don't really know what your full potential is. And so I encourage adults often in racing situations or running situations to dream really big with the possibility of not reaching their goal, because that's when they're really going to find what they're able to do, and that's where you get the most joy and you have the most excitement. And then if things don't go according to plan, you get to rework and you learn far more from those days that are really challenging and those races that are really tough than you do from the successful ones um and then you take what you learn and you go back out there because the successful days are like those ones where you get those runners high that you just want to keep hanging on to and so that balance of like honestly the balance of like failing um when you have a successful day it's that much sweeter if you've had the rough days if everything was always good you wouldn't have that same joy in what you're doing mm-hmm. oh that's such a good point um let's actually talk about some of those races that helped you learn then because you've been running since first grade. <laughs> you picked up running, I think you said 18, 18 years ago. Yeah. So what are some of those races where you definitely did not have a great day? Share a story or two on oh, uh, what you the learned. Marine Corps Marathon uh, two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, but um, your result was a good result. It was great, yes. Um, that one I feel like, I, that one's probably the one I've learned the most from so far. Um, it was exactly what Jenny's saying like it was the polarity I think I had my sights so hard set on quote-unquote success of the race and things out of my control happened whether my brain like um just didn't come together and I think for me like I just got so much perspective and um I like realized how much pressure I was putting on myself I realized that I need to prep a little bit more for weather conditions, even if I feel amazing. Um, and there's so many things that, gosh, like even that's what I love about running so much is you can get to what you think is your peak fitness, have a race and you're like, Oh my gosh, there's so much more room for improvement. This is great. And I think like being able to look back on a quote unquote failure. I mean, for me, that was, yeah, I won the race, which was amazing. The, The race itself was fantastic, but it wasn't the result I knew I was capable of and what I was hoping for and what I'd been working towards all season. But like, it was still a massive win when I think about all the things that we get to tweak leading up to trials, you know, and like past trials, like my running career isn't done at trials. So, um, that was a big one in terms of like road racing that I learned a lot from with, um, with Marine Corps. So you won the race. I did. And, there was a lot of hype. Like beforehand, mm-hmm. there were articles that were like, you're going after the win. And I mean, that's and a lot of pressure. Record. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do, you, how do you deal with that? 
Um, I looking back, I thought I had handled it really well. I thought everything was. Um, I thought I was solid, mentally solid and I was like, the press isn't rattling me. I feel good. I know I've got it. And then like things out of my control, like the weather. Um, yeah, explain like. It was, oh, it was buckets, <laughs> buckets of rain <laughs> only during the race. Like it was after the race, the sun came out. It was stunning. And the rest of the weekend it was stunning. Um, oh, yeah. I didn't realize that. Uh-huh. I, I only saw images of literally runners going through three to four inches yeah. Oh, yeah. of rain. Oh yeah, of it water. was crazy. And um, I think looking back, like there was a lot of pressure and, you know, but I think looking internally, it's my pressure that I'm putting on myself. It's not the, it's not because of the media. It's, you know, it's me thinking like, am I putting too much value in, of my worth as a runner in this? Like, is this going to finally put me on the map of like, you know, top of the top? And I had to really get honest about that. And that's something I've been working through like the past few weeks is like, it's not, down to the media it's not down to the weather it's down to me and all of that so um that was a big big learning that has come out of it but what a positive right like at least it's yeah yes another point of growth totally I love it and so as her coach like how did you help Brittany mentally and emotionally handle that kind of pressure so we do a lot on mental training, um, just as a weekly go in, go out, like talking about her why and reframing things in a positive way. So she, the way that I coach is I have people basically journal about the way they're feeling about their workouts because the way that people, the words that people use to describe how their workouts go um, tells us more than any data can. And so we go back and forth through if she's had like a rough workout, like how did she work through it? What are her phrases? So we use kind of those same techniques heading into a race. Um, I would say we both downplayed the weather as a coach. I, like it was a gorgeous weekend. We had no idea. Like they said it was going to rain, but like we had no idea it was that much. So that like <laughs> afterwards, I'm like, that was really my fault. Like I totally downplayed it. Um, and, and I think there was so much, uh, the Marines were so excited about her and the potential of setting the course record that I think we kind of downplayed it. I think maybe subconsciously for me, I think subconsciously because they were so excited about it that we're like, oh, it's going to rain, but that's no big deal. When in reality, she trains through everything, but that does impact, um, performance. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think that, so I thought we were really well prepped for it. And then I think we both downplayed a little bit of that. Well, and I think, you know, coming from a triathlon background, Honestly, like time didn't matter at all ever, you know, because conditions could make a course an hour slower. Like if it's super hot or super windy on the bike or whatever, like there was just such a huge time variance that you really, you were just going off place. And when you're a pro, you're trying to win money. So, and you can't control anybody else out there on the course, right? Mm -hmm. So that's another big part, I think of, of this whole mindset is like, you can prep as best you can, but you have to be the flexible one, right? And well, it was interesting because time ended up being a bigger deal and then it kind of got to phase back because of the way that the Olympic trials had changed. So they changed what was gonna be required to go to the Olympics and then they changed it back. And so we had this time goal out there because for a while, anyone who was gonna go to the Olympics had to run a 229.30. And so we knew that that was one of the things that she needed to do before she went to Atlanta for the Olympic trials. And then just a couple of months ago, they changed it back. But that, I think, put more pressure on time in our head because we the trials course is super hilly. We know it's probably not going to be the fastest course. And so we tried to pick out a course that would be fast. And so it probably put more pressure on time than we otherwise would have. Um, 
because it really does come down to like what is the day like realistically what's yeah. the day and you run for position at that point um yeah, yeah. wow okay all right so we're getting some cool you know these are good insights right um, and we talk about one of the things that helps you manage the pressures to have this well-rounded life too, outside of it. So yeah, you're analyzing, micro-analyzing all your races and prepping as best you can, but you're trying to not make your life a singular focus, right? Mm-hmm. So you go through, so Brittany, we're going back to you. We go through the um, life plan at Otter. How cool is that? And you come out of it and you're like, okay, I need a new thing. I need a new focus or a new, new thing to do. And running was part of that. But we didn't really get into the acting side. Yeah. So maybe you can, it's interesting. It's unique. Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot of athletes who are also actors. Yeah. So maybe you can give us a little background there. Sure. Um, so it all was timed up exactly the same. So um, I was at the time I was working for Otterbox. I was um, living in Chicago because I had moved there, and um, I was studying at Second City and other improv theaters out in Chicago because I wanted to pursue comedy. It was just like this thing that came up that is in the back of my mind. I was like, I love acting. I love comedy. I think I'm gonna do that. So wait, this is while you were at Otter? Yes. So I lived. I was a remote um, rep for Otterbox, oh, cool. living in Chicago. Um, so wait, you were downtown? Uh-huh. Because yeah. I grew up there. Oh, yeah. You were in Downers Grove. That's right. I was. But then, like, after college, I was like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm going to move to the city. Yeah. And I got a studio and shared it with a friend. Oh, whoa. <laughs> and, like, did some odd jobs and whatnot. And um, and it was in, like, kind of a not awesome part of town. But, like, I just loved it. It was so fun. The energy was amazing at so that time in great. life. So you're in your early 20s. This no, point. this was late twenty. This was late this 20s. was a couple years ago. Got as well. it. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Um, or late twenties. It's still fun. Yeah. Twenties. Twenties. <laughs> good times. Um, yeah. So I was um, studying there, working for Otterbox, um, and then my husband, now husband, um, he was the rep in LA. So we were doing long distance um, for a year, and then Otterbox. We're both from Colorado. Otterbox moved us both back. So wait, did you guys like hook up at a sales meeting or something? Uh, no, first day on the job. Wait, you mm-hmm. were both in like at corporate or something? Yeah, he had been working for Otter oh for a God. few years and I came in. He thought he was interviewing for the same job. He thought that I stole his job. So he was giving a sales oh. presentation. And he was like, I'm going to find out who this Brittany Lee is. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to find out who stole my job. Um, but turns out he got offered a different city. So um, across the country, across the country. And so we were just friends for like six months and then um, started dating like six months after that. And then we're long distance for a year. Otterbox moved us back to Colorado and then uh, we got engaged like shortly after and then married the next year. Um, wow. Okay. So that's been pretty quick. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. my gosh. When you I know, love you it. know. Yeah. When you know, you know. <laughs> I know. I get it. I know. I know. So, um, so let's go back to the acting side mm-hmm. of things. So you like fell more in love with comedy. Yeah. So before I lived in Chicago, I was living in Australia slash New Zealand. I was kind of back and forth between both countries. It Who was, are you? You're I know, so it's, interesting. It's bananas. This. How many chapters have there been? Yeah. Talk about change. I love it. So um, <laughs> but tell them what you were doing there. This I had no idea till we were in London and we were meeting one of our former coworkers. Oh, yeah. So my first big kid job out of college, I was selling high end baby strollers. 
Oh, what mm-hmm. brand? Phil and Ted's and Mountain oh. Buggy. Oh, yeah. I yep. know them because when I had a kid, oh, of I was... You, you know. had the Mountain Buggy terrain, I bet. No, I didn't. Did? I actually, oh, my friend has a company called Up A Baby. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, I totally know them. Yeah, so I ended up with Up A Baby ah, products. They were really brand. high end. Yeah, really great brand. So yeah, same <laughs> realm. So that's what I was doing. So I was early 20s, like schlepping around these strollers all oh, over my. Australia. And you had no kid. No, 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 you still don't have kids. No, don't but like, kids. so could you talk the talk? Like, how do you oh, talk yeah. the baby stroller talk when you're the people are like, well, you don't know. You, the kids are like, do yeah. as you do you as do. you're becoming an elite athlete or anything else. You're like owning it and you just know it and you just are confident with yeah. all the technicalities of having children, yeah. which. Wait, did you ever fake that you had kids no I didn't because then I was like I don't want to put that bad karma out there like True. yeah but I I, I used yeah. a lot of like well my sister told me this or like I know a lot of moms that said this or <laughs> kind of used other people's <laughs> testimonials um so anyway so I was living out in um Australia selling these baby strollers um didn't have any friends really because I was working so much and I was like I need a hobby and I was running but I was like I don't really feel like connecting with other runners I was like had that thing in the back of my mind that I always wanted to act for whatever reason. So I just Googled an acting studio in Sydney, showed up and loved it. Like from day one, I was like, it was kind of like a light beaming down moment of I was like, this is, I love this so much. Um, and it was just a regular acting um, studio, like, like formal acting and serious acting. And I would be given a script and I kept making it comedic not on purpose it just turned comedic and I loved it I loved the feeling of making other people laugh without really intentionally knowing it um so when I decided to move back to the states and go to Chicago it was to pursue the comedic piece they have the best second city I mean amazing there wow um yeah so it kind of snowballed from there so I mean really like this whole running comedy venture has been on the same time frame. Like I haven't been doing that very long either. Um, and so at that same time that I quit my job, I had the night before I won Colfax, I was not the winner of the finale of Denver's next improv star. <laughs> and so, but I, and that was my only show the night before. The night before and oh that was God. the only time I was on stage. Like that was my first show. That was it. Talk about like a pressure filled weekend. Yeah, but it was so low pressure for whatever reason. And I, wow. those two things, I was like, well, this confirms it. Like I'm a, I've been on the stage once and I've won this local race. I think I'm ready to go pro in both. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So you do shows. Yes. In Denver. I do. Can we go watch them? Uh, yes. I'm not really performing as much right now. Um, just because obviously training has taken over. I created my own one woman show about my running that's coming back in, uh, late spring, 2020. So obviously after trials. Oh my God. I can't wait to come and heckle you. It will be so awesome. I would love it. Oh my gosh. Um, What's the show called? So it's called my long distance relationship with running from the early miles to the Olympic trials. Um, and it's my love story with running. Running is personified by a pink treadmill on stage (laughs) and voiced by my husband. Um, and it's just my journey with running. Actual running is like a person kind of. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. It's a metaphorical person. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. But your husband is running. It's a guy. I love that. Mm-hmm. Speaking as a pink treadmill. Yeah. yeah. So you don't see him. You hear his voice. But I'm talking to and caressing and um, having a re- I, uh, having a relationship, but not like oh, an inappropriate relationship uh, with a pink treadmill. I mean, I'm all for inappropriate yeah. 
relationships with pink treadmills. <laughs> um, so, you know, there are certain days when you go out running and you just don't have it. Like, mm-hmm. it's just a crap day. Like, your legs are heavy. Rocks that aren't even rocks are, like, tripping you up. Do you have those days on the stage? Oh, yeah. Big like, time. Mm-hmm. How to, like, when no one reacts? Yes. Yeah. It's brutal. So how do you... I mean, that's like having like a major bomb, but you're still up there. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just leave. No. So how do you handle those big, huge bombs when you're in the middle of them? You just keep going. I mean, just like running, right? Like you just put that one next foot in front of the other and you just keep going. And the thing I've learned about comedy or performing is some days you just have a quiet audience and they may love it, but they just aren't reactive. But you have to learn not to let that rattle you. So that's a big thing I've had to learn that, you know, when I first did my show, there was a couple nights that in different nights of the week have different energy. Like Thursday nights are just not a high energy night. They love the show, but it's just lower energy and they're quiet. And, you know, they're also kind of timid. Like that was really funny to me, but should I be the loud laugher in the audience? You know, so you just learn to keep going because there's been days that I will be performing. The audience is not biting and it just gets in my head and then I just feel so deflated but then I get people coming up to me after and they're like that was amazing I loved it it was so funny and I was like what it was dead silent (laughs) or or I nice when you can't see them yeah or I don't even hear them laughing and no that's the hard that's the hard part is being on stage and you almost black out and you're like no one laughed and they're like what are you talking about and you listen you watch the video after and people were dying so it's a weird thing that you just have to just go in and just do it just like running wow Mm -hmm. that's amazing thanks um okay well we can't wait to come and watch you and i'm sure there's some youtube videos oh yeah there's uh there's some youtube i need to redo them most people people have been asking about recently and these are going on the yeah yeah just go for it just go for it yeah (laughs) my demo reel is on there that hasn't been updated in a long time but there's some characters in there yeah go for it so do people just expect you to be like super funny? Yeah, all the time. And does that suck or is that okay? Um, <laughs> well, when I put on the spot and they're like expecting it, then it's kind of like, I don't have anything to say. So most people think, so I do improv and I do um, sketch comedy. But when you tell people comedy, immediately their brain goes stand up. Well, and then they go, tell me a joke. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you're like, that's not how. And you're like, I don't, mm-mm, that's not what I do. <laughs> and it's more fun for me to be in character because yeah, I just kind of totally. come alive in character. And so, um, yeah, so that's kind of, and so we are launching a improv for runners workshop, but it's called Funner Runner 101er. Um, so that way people can understand what improv is and they can use it on their runs. But um, it's more just to like do what I do in terms of, how do we get people to have fun on their runs and how do we get them in a funny brain or get them to believe that like they're funny too, even though we don't have to do stand up? You know, maybe we should educate a little bit about improv. So I recently went to a TED talk in, in Boulder and they did improv oh, as wow. the TED talk. The woman was the improver and then she had three guys come in and they were like, pull a card somebody in the audience and it was like Shakespeare and one guy had to speak in Shakespeare yes. the whole time and somebody else was like cutting down a tree the whole time or you know it was mm-hmm. like the weirdest funniest funniest talk ever so maybe can kind of explain that because I think you're right most people listening are like oh she's a comedian she does stand up right yeah, yeah. um so improv is um it's a group um 
type of comedy. And so basically you, a lot of times you get audience suggestions for how to do a scene, for example, and it's all made up on the spot. So um, it's really about being with other players and connecting with them. So improv is all about um, listening and being present and um, not telling jokes. The funny comes from the real. So it's all about like going, talking about like going on like this journey of change. You don't know what's coming in improv. You just kind of let yourself go and it's just um, performing these scenes with other well, people. Should we like improv right now, the three of us? Yeah. Jenny's oh my terrified. God, how do we Jenny's do like, it? Jenny's like, no. No, I no. don't even know. I don't know how to do it. Let's I, just try. I went to her first um, improv for runners um, and it, it was scary initially. Yeah, it was <laughs> but, scary. Okay, so like how, what do we do? You have to lead us. Oh, geez. I don't know how, uh, what could I do that's like. So do, do we each like have a character that sure, we get into? Yeah, let's, okay. let's be an each be a different oh, character what about like well okay so the mic is propped up on a villain's puzzle so Disney maybe we could villains. be like someone's a villain someone's a superhero and someone's like i don't know cinderella great jenny who do you feel most comfortable being <laughs> uh, i'll be the superhero oh i love that oh which one that. can you be are you gonna be like jaina from zed and jaina and this and the wonder twins wasn't that her name? My problem is I don't know any pop culture. So <laughs> <laughs> okay, pick up. I'm just so kidding. I'm, so I'm just, a like made, I'm just a made up uh, superhero because I oh, can't okay. name an actual well, one. <laughs> Wonder Woman. Just be Wonder Woman. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Be, here's what we're going to do. We're all going to be on a run. Okay. And we're all going up a giant mountain hill like in Leadville. Um, and we'll all be trying to get up that because if we can all get up it, we're all going to win. Okay, That's cool. our goal. So are you a villain? Yeah. Okay. And I am like Cinderella. Great. So I'm singing. <laughs> la, la, la. We're going up the hill. Hey, it's girl. So we got to get up going up this hill. We got to get up there. I'm just flying over the top of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, slow it down. Slow it down. Your wind is making my hair blow. The little birds are singing to us as we go, and they're pushing us up the hill. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> Great, great. Yeah, yeah. We got to get up there. Uh, they're going to have the peanut butter and jelly at the top of the hill. <laughs> yeah, but what happens if we eat the peanut butter and jelly? Uh, that makes us go faster unless we have a peanut allergy. <laughs> Until there's a bad apple up there. And then we're done. Nice. Scene. Hooray. Oh, oh, my gosh. You guys killed it. Okay. We oh, rocked man. it. You guys are so like funny. I could- I feel like I could hear Jenny's heartbeat just uh, racing. Yeah. That's not her jam. So what I yeah, what I discovered at her improv is I'm better at the just moving. Um, so we did like sculptures and things like that, and I really enjoyed that piece of improv. But when it came to dialogue, so yeah, just imagine I was just visualizing myself as a superhero and my cape flying in the background. I was just flying over the top of you. Yeah, you literally, that's yeah, you what nailed improv it. Is. Yeah. Nailed it. Totally nailed it. And I was just imagining. I think actually it's not Cinderella that has the bird singing it's like snow white right oh, so can, i screwed it yeah. all up. no 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 Whatever. you can make it as artistic as you want whoever it is yeah yeah you, cinderella had those little mice though they like oh, right. made yeah. her little dress you get to combine all the like princesses together yeah. into your character that's yeah. the beauty of improv yeah. yeah fairy godmothers yeah there's no rules so um all right so you two have this awesome relationship so how did you two come together who wants to share the story uh the well, love match <laughs> i turns out have been telling the wrong story um so we met right after the colfax marathon um after i won we met at a banquet uh this isn't obsessive and it's not weird it's just i have a memory um it was june 14th 2017 the reason i remember that is because that's flag day um and that's uh my mom's birthday but it's also one of my favorite holidays (laughs) 
Wait, isn't is Flag Day a U.S. holiday? It sure is. Oh. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought it was the Canadian holiday. Okay, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, June fourteenth. Mark your calendars. Um, she really wow. likes American history. Yeah, I do. part of the reason we were in D.C. for the Marine Corps Marathon is she really likes American history. So what? How does that relate to? Um, so we, so we were at the Colfax Marathon Awards. So I was on a relay that won an award. And wait, Brittany, this is after she had won. This is after she won, and she was there. And just the night before, I had been telling her story that had been in the Denver Post. Um, and her story was that she had gone to this comedy competition and she hadn't won. Um, so she was up late. So I thought she was a night person. I thought we had more in common. Yeah. But she's not a night person. But she was up all night. And she's like, that's OK. I didn't win. I'll just go win the race tomorrow. And so I sent this uh, article to tons of my runners. I was telling my friends about it because I just loved that there was like a no excuses attitude. Because often people will be like, oh, I had a bad workout. I didn't sleep last night. All There's always like reasons why. And often if you can figure out a reason why things aren't going to go well, then they're not going to go well. And if you just take like the excuses off the table, things go better than you expect. So um, people are talking about her cute dress. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. it was during the banquet. I had like this killer pink dress with black high heels on. Mm -hmm. Ooh. And I was like, yeah, that's a cute dress. And then uh, I was like, is that the person who won? Because it's weird at the award ceremony, they tell you to go hang out outside. You don't actually watch the people who win. And they're like, yeah, that's that's the woman who won. So I went over to tell her that I've been sharing her story just last night and with a bunch of my runners. And then um, she told, I'm trying to remember how we got to, she knew at that moment that she wanted to qualify for the Olympic trials. Um, but I just wanted to go for a run with her because she seemed fun. Um, but she was obviously faster than me because she just set the course record for the Colfax Marathon. So this is where she, the piece of the story she doesn't remember because we probably wouldn't be friends now if she remembered it. So I invited her on a trail run because I thought the trail would kind of level the playing field. You know, like trails are friendly. You like run and then you wait. Um, and so I gave her my my coaching car and I said, like, don't worry. Like, that's just how you can get a hold of me. I'm not trying to like be your coach. Yeah. And um, th- I was looking for a coach, so it worked out. But I the piece that I blacked <laughs> out is she said that she told me this last or this past week that she asked me to go for a trail run. Had she genuinely asked me that back in the, back then, I would have run away like because I just started trail running. And she told me. Um, this past spring that I needed to get on trails for softer surfaces and I was like adamantly no I am not a trail runner I'm not doing trails so it's funny that that piece came up that I totally blanked that I don't remember her asking me to go for a trail run because there's not a chance in hell I would have done that back in the day oh my gosh a few things have like come to mind first of all you you said that Brittany was like I didn't win last night. I'll just go win tomorrow. So then in my mind, I'm like, well, was she being funny or was this like ego or was this just this is how I approach things? Yeah, no, it wasn't. Um, it, it was very like, no, oh, that's OK. Like, I'll just go run tomorrow or I'll just go win tomorrow. Like it because I had been planning to try to win and break the record um, that whole time that I was training that season. Um, so it was just kind of a, like, well, didn't win that one. Like, I got another chance to win something tomorrow. I love it. Yeah. I love that. Um, you know, I also, I don't know where to go with this. This is such a cool story too. So let's talk trails. Great. Let's talk trails for a minute because um, you're still doing trails now. Yeah. Like you love trails. Love it. I I, I kind of feel like once you go trail, it's hard to go back. Um, I had heard that. And I think that that's what steered me away from trail, to be honest, because I love road. I love it. Um, and so I thought when you go trail, cause people are very like polar when it comes to trail and road, it is very like, especially I feel like trail people are like 
so diehard trail, so anti-road that I didn't want to give that up because that's where I find all my pennies. And so I didn't want to like give that up. And so, but they're just such a great, for me, they're a great compliment. They are a great compliment. And to your point, when you said she needs to go on soft surfaces, some people listening may not even understand why that's important. Yeah, so we um, were in London for the London Marathon, and she actually didn't get to run because she had a back injury. And so we basically drank wine and talked about what the future was going to be. Um, and part of it was just changing her training a little bit. And she'd been an, like really adamant that she wasn't going to run trails. And I was like, well, you have this back injury. You're running all these miles really fast on really hard surfaces because a lot of times she's on cement, which is the hardest surface to run on because she's on bike paths. So she doesn't have roads. That's just really hard on your body. And so I wanted her to get on trails because it's dirt. Um, the other good thing about trails is you build strength because you're going uphill, you're working against gravity. And then the surface surfaces are uneven. So you just get really good with your stabilizing muscles. And so, um, I don't know what actually convinced her to, how did I actually convince you to try it? I think you, oh, you, uh, bribed me with brunch. Oh. Yeah. Cause we ran at green mountain and then you're like, we can get brunch after. And I was like, well, we'll give it a whirl, but this better be a good, I, I better be able to get whatever I want after. And oh my gosh. It. Yeah. So are you food motivated? hundred percent. Yeah. You can yeah. bribe me with pancakes and donuts and all the yeah. things and gummy bears. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so are, do you have like, I don't, I don't care about like asking super specific food and diet questions, but I'm always just curious, like what are the quirky things? Like what, what are the must do's and, and guilty pleasures? Um, for me, like, uh, breakfast is breakfast is my biggest meal of the day, and I love breakfast. Um, just you eat it before you run. Uh huh. Usually, oh, like an wow. hour before. It's the a massive, biggest meal before mm -hmm. you run. Yeah, that is such a cool way to like train your gut. Oh, I love it. Yeah, and I just feel so good if I have that like big breakfast. You what know, do you eat though? Lots, What's your big? Lots of um, I eat. My favorite is um, chocolate covered strawberry pancakes, and then a, oh. like cup of coffee. And that's my go-to. I love it. And um, what do you put on your pancakes? This is like a, a thing we've been doing a lot of pancakes ah. lately. Like, are you a real maple syrup person? Or do you do like almond butter and yogurt and maple syrup piled on top? No, or? I do. Um, so I put the chocolate chips in the batter. I love uh -huh. Kodiak cakes. They're my favorite. Oh, yeah. Um, and they have protein, right? They do, um, which I like do less protein on those. But um, I do chocolate chips inside of the pancakes and okay. then I top them with strawberries and then I do sugar-free syrup just because I like to put a lot of butter and I like to like get my carbs from the pancakes themselves because the less syrup I eat the more pancake and fruit I can have ah mm -hmm. yes there's, I love there's it. the kicker there so yeah so that's what I do and then it's it'll be funny Justin and I'll be making breakfast and he'll make a normal size serving of these and then I'll be like what are you gonna have and he's like well I was gonna have some pancakes and I was like no no these are all mine like I need all of these so then we have to make another batch or he doesn't he misses out oh I love it mm -hmm. um okay what are the, the so that's kind of like both a must do and a guilty pleasure yeah like any other guilty pleasures you mentioned gummy bears so we have this um right next to our gym is called little man ice cream and it's like one of the most famous in denver and it is so torturous being in the gym and that waffle cone smell is just permeating the gym and you just have to keep lifting and your trainer is just telling you like focus and you're smelling these lovely 
ice cream and waffle smells. So we have a tradition that at the end of the season, we wait until after I run the race, we all get together and we all um, get little man ice cream. We can have whatever we want and we schedule a training, but we don't train. We just sit outside and eat ice cream together. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. And it's always cold. So we bundle up (laughs) and eat ice. So this last time I was still, I got stuck in uh, DC because of the snowstorm in Denver. And so we got a text from our um, strength trainer, Josh. And he's like, so are we still having ice cream? I was like, if Brittany can run in the pouring rain, we can eat ice ice cream in the snow. And so he came bundled up with like a huge like parka and he wanted our uh, physical therapist, Laura, to come also. And so he like brought like scarves and hats and convinced her to come. And so we all sat outside and in the snow and we didn't clean off any of the snow we like sat in the snow and ate our ice cream all bundled up yeah oh that is such (laughs) a fun experience so here's I guess that's a word that is coming through from today is fun um you're both coaches at Mercuria coaching right is that what the yeah good job you said it correct it's the hardest apparently the hardest name to say (laughs) hey I'm good um well and I didn't even ask you beforehand nice so at what point Brittany did you become a coach Um, so I had been coaching for about a year and then I just joined Jenny's, um, Mercuria team for coaching in June, Mm -hmm. I think. think Yeah. When we were in Telluride. Yeah. So just this past summer, um, and I namely look after the youth side. Um, I really, really enjoy coaching kids, but, um, starting to take on some more adults, which is actually really fun as well. So it's kind of been a cool, just smattering again smattering of different runners and just kind of who fits with you yeah very cool and I think it's like it's an evolving career path right yeah following the passion um Jenny we talked a little bit before the interview about your coaching philosophy because you founded Mercuria yes right? Yeah, so I feel really lucky because my jobs have always been other people's hobbies. I've been an art teacher and a running coach, and both of them, I I always come back to like what's there's something that's similar about both of them. And I think as a art teacher, I was all about letting people um, take risks and get out of their comfort zone and express themselves. And I think running does exactly the same thing. And so I love working with adults, in particular in long distance running, because it's one of the only things that adults do that's outside of their job and their family. And so they get to set this goal and work towards it. Um, And it's all just a personal thing and they learn a ton about themselves. And so my favorite part is learning everybody's story. So every single person has a different reason why they're running. And over the course of um, training for a marathon, I get to go on the highs with them and the lows with them because really every marathon training cycle has highs and lows. I feel like my job is to kind of keep it in the middle a little bit so the lows don't seem so bad and to keep the highs in perspective. Uh, And so it's just a really, really fun process and I've enjoyed it. You know, I think like I used to swim coach years and years ago and I kind of struggled with not like the ego that comes with owning your athlete's successes. They're not my successes. They're your athlete's successes, you know, and you do this because you love it. But at the same time, like you can't help but really feel great when your athletes perform well so like how do you yeah and it's also hard when they have a tough time and it's interesting Mm -hmm. because I coach one-on-one most of my athletes are like they're all working separately so we're not in a big group but highs all come at similar times and lows all come at similar times even though they're not together and so like in the summer when it's really hot and people are training for marathons I'm 
often up in the mountains. So I'm coding, coaching remotely and people are just having hard day after hard day after hard day. And so I'm going through like the same pep talk over and over and it can, it can get a little bit draining, but just like remembering like part of my job is to keep things in perspective and to help people manage those lows. And then the same thing, like it's really exciting when people have a good race, but again, yeah, keep I guess I'm pretty good at like, I don't have really extreme emotions. I'm not like really excited and really depressed. I've sort of like stay. And I think that's probably a good, like, good characteristic of a coach is to be able to kind of stay in that middle ground. Um, so I love celebrating with my runners, but then I keep it all in perspective. Do you think um, you're going to, is this what you are made to do? Like, is this your career path for the long term? Yes, but I don't know what it's going to, I don't know where it's going to go, right? Like I didn't know, I had, like I've been in business for seven going on eight years and I had no idea that I'd end up where I am now. And so I'm just going to let this process and journey sort of take me where it goes. So I don't know what Mercuria running will look like, you know, five years from now. Um, I have no idea. And we just keep kind of throwing things out there and seeing what's, you know, like we're putting big dreams out there and see how, like what those end up evolving. Like we've been talking a lot about doing an art and running retreat and we have no idea what that looks like, but we just keep putting it out there knowing that like somehow things will come together and we're going to meet really interesting people that will sort of make that story happen. So I don't know what it will look like. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, and Brittany, I feel like you're in the middle of your journey. Like if you become best in the world, you know, or like this running career really brings you to the top echelon, like it won't last forever. Mm -hmm. You can't be a professional athlete forever in this sport. So like your journey is definitely going to have like a bell curve. Yeah. Right. Yep. And so I don't know Were you made, what were you made to do? Um, I think a big thing that came out of my life plan a couple of years ago was I know that my purpose is to inspire by doing. And so something else I've learned now that I'm piecing on top of that is, you know, I inspire by doing, but it's through the joy. And now I've realized that it's about sharing and it's about helping other people recognize and realize their joys and their potentials and like, give them that confirmation yeah you matter and I know that so I know that there's a shelf life to my running career but it's kind of like man this is like so much along the way and I know that like if I reach that upper echelon and I have a bigger platform to then extend that same message then I know that that's going to come together as it's supposed to I kind of am trusting that like I know I'm on the right path and I know that I'll be at whatever level I'm supposed to be at for my purpose and then things shift and then you just I just trust that something else is going to come along and that I, you know, will running will be a, a springboard for something else and then a springboard for something else. And as long as I'm being true to my joy and living my best life to then inspire others to do the same and I'm helping them to do the same, then I know, yeah, man, that's my purpose and I know it. Yeah, I love it. Um, go ahead, Jenny. And I was going to say part of like Brittany works with me. We talk about it being more collaborative rather even though I founded the company it's more collaborative and so letting her sort of like see where um, where she wants to take the business so I'm 10 years older than her so I sort of my vision is for her to be able to sort of you know she has a longer career in it um, to see where it what how she can use Mercuria for sort of her dreams and how she's going to influence people okay one one last little ditty before we roll before we wrap it um we talked a lot about 
you know, how you, how you were able to get through to the, you know, next thing in life or all the positive things that have happened. Have you ever had like a major setback in any area of your life that has caused you to, you know, make a big change or has been a big growth catalyst? I mean, I always go back to my very first job was Teach for America, and I taught on the Mexican border in Texas, and that was just an eye-opening experience. And so it's honestly put everything in perspective. It was just a really challenging environment. People live in conditions that most people don't imagine American citizens live in. And so um, it's really, when people complain about their job, like the simplest things, like I've always been able to go back to that because that was just a really challenging time in my life. And so um, I really keeps every, basically keeping everything in perspective when you see something that's challenging. Yeah, and for other people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think, I'm, I, think I go back to when I, at the end of when I was living abroad in Australia and I was just alone and working an obscene amount and just really unhappy. And I think for me, that was kind of a moment of, make a shift like I got to do something different because I can't keep doing this and yeah that was kind of a big moment for me was what do I want I think that was kind of the first time that I was like what do I want to do can I ask like how did the unhappiness manifest itself for you hmm um for me it was just I just I just kind of felt it I like wasn't myself um I was just spending a lot of time alone. And I think that that's kind of a trigger for me is like, I thrive off of people. I love my alone time, but when I'm alone, that's when I know I'm not happy. And that was when I decided to reach out and like join the acting scene um, for that. So that's kind of knowing what what your triggers are. Well, I think too, it's a big message and a thing that athletes have as an advantage is understanding our bodies and or going a little deeper like really listening to our gut which is taking us all the way back to the beginning of the interview because it's something you Brittany mentioned about that time in your life and um speaking of have you guys been hearing my stomach no oh my gosh it's so loud and oh. I yet I don't think we've heard it on the episode it oh, didn't come it through through that'd be <laughs> amazing too. that'd be so cool I wish that was like part of our improv and we have a fourth character <laughs> yeah I was just thinking that the stomach grumbler Um, so we are actually going to go hit the trail. Yeah. Which is cool. And we may, um, we may have some more things that come up. So we may have to come in and tape another thing and add it as a postscript. You never know. Um, but if, whether we do or not, I like to wrap each episode with asking all of my guests for one final nugget, one thing to help our listeners run their worlds in a bigger and better way. So, um, Brittany's passing it immediately as she thinks now. Who wants to go first? Um, chase your pennies. Um, so I have this weird quirk that I love finding change on my runs. It's kind of a gross habit. Um, so I pick up pennies on the only time I don't. I pick up run- pennies on all of my runs that I find them, obviously. Um, the only exception people always ask is during races, no. But I wear a penny on my race kit um, just for good measure. Um, but I say chase your pennies because it's – Finding pennies has zero purpose. They're essentially worth no value. Um, They're dirty, um, but it's all about collecting them along the way and they help me stay present. And so whatever that is for you, just chase those pennies. And just if even if there's no quote unquote purpose behind it, if it brings you joy, just do it. I love that. And you know what? You said it's about finding change. 
<gasps> oh my gosh! I just yeah, all coming boom. Together. That's another improv uh, show. <laughs> Finding change. And my um, my advice would be to dream big and take a risk because I feel like you find your joy when you're on that edge of being comfortable. And so so often, most people like to hang out just where things are familiar. Um, once you get out of that familiar territory, it can be scary, um, but that's where most your joy comes when you're on that edge. And then the worst that can happen is you fail, and most of the time when you fail, you learn something from it, and you get to go back and try again. Wow, so everyone listening now wants both of you to coach them, so how do they find you? <laughs> Uh, so we have um, a website, Mercuria Running, which it's hard to spell. So check. <laughs> I was like, so yeah. check. Show out. notes. It's show like notes. Mercury, but yeah. it's M E R C U R I A Running. Um, we also have an Instagram account, and then Brittany has Funny Runner twenty six point two as an Instagram account. So you can find us on there. Um, we do, we feature on our account for the most part. We feature our runners. We coach every type of runner from little kids. My nephew was just featured today. He's six years old. Um, all the way up to um, elite level runners and everyone in between. And so that's one of the ways, even though we coach individually, people get to feel like they're part of a team because you get to hear everyone's story. Oh, I love it. Very cool. All right. Over and out today. Let's go find some change on the trail. Yeah. Woo. Be tough. <laughs> find some poop. <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody. Oh, my gosh. What a fun episode. All right. So, do you get the title now? Chase your pennies. Um, I love, I love so much of what both Brittany and Jenny had to offer on this episode. I mean, I love it all, but there are just so many nuggets that came up throughout. I mean, I love the idea that nervous energy and excited energy are the same thing. They really are. And I actually meant to dig back in deeper to that concept, which was mentioned early on. And I encourage you when you're on the starting line to remember when you're nervous that being nervous and being excited are truly the same. Um, I, and I also agree that, you know, the greatest things happen when we're on the edge of our comfort zone. And I have to remind myself of that right now because I have been living on the edge of discomfort for a very long time or let's just say relatively long time or it feels like a long time, a few months. And um, and when you live there long enough, something's got to give at some point and a new door is going to open and a new direction is going to uh, appear. I'm very excited. <laughs> Do you hear that? Nervous, excited. I'm excited about what the future holds. Um, I hope that you are too. And if you're sitting on your edge of discomfort or comfort, like, hey, embrace it, lean in. And if you're not, you will probably be soon because life doesn't stay the same. And that's the one thing we all know. Um, so check out Brittany and Jenny. Go to Mercuria Coaching. Follow them on social media. Uh, I think, you know, they're both going to have new fans from all of you. And if you want to get some coaching and you're local in the uh, Colorado and the Denver area, and I believe they also coach people virtually. So you can definitely, you know, get in on this awesome philosophy that they have going. Um, on my end, I'm going to remind you to get over to skirtsports.com. And you know what? You don't even need to use your holiday money because it's early. Just get over there and treat yourself to something awesome. We're running great deals right now through the end of the year. All right, everybody. 
I'm going to wrap it now. That's it for today. You know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout and I'll see you next week.